Oh, it's got to be Broadway month when you see those shoes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. For those of you too far back to see those stiletto sparkling red shoes that Steven's got on. Oh, Broadway is here. Oh, no one mourns the wicked. Ooh, do you believe that? You know, sometimes we don't know what wicked is. But we're shouting out, no one mourns the wicked. We might have some candidates for who we think wicked is, <laughs> right? Someone may have looked at us before and called us wicked, but there's no one mourns the wicked. You know, and remembering that God created all and God loves all, I think God mourns, but probably doesn't call them wicked. So I wonder if we can be those kind of people and God can challenge us in that way. We really would like to keep it simple, though. We would like to stay with popular. You know, we would like to be able to look at someone and say, that's the wicked one, that's the good one. And I can tell from way over here, I don't even have to get too close about what wicked is and what wicked is not. Some of you were here two Sundays ago when we started the series and uh, with West Side Story. And the theme of the journey for freedom that day was the freedom to, to move from hate to love. And as we talked about that day, at the end of the service, Reverend Vicki had us light a 50th candle because we had lit 49 candles for several weeks, but we added the 50th candle of the person killed in Orlando, the person who caused harm. We believe that God would light that candle we believe that God would not lose any of God's creation. But so, so no one mourns the wicked. I think that's common wisdom. I think we want to believe that's true, but really, you know, Jesus just didn't keep it that simple. Do we want to hear what Jesus has to say about that? Oh, goodness gracious, get ready. Yeah? I... Um, Love the reading that lady did for us. You know, were you born wicked or was it thrust upon you? And she said, no, neither is true, you know? And she said she didn't feel wicked. And I want to refer you to a wonderful healing story in the gospel of the man born blind. The people are asking, did this man's parents sin or did this infant somehow in the womb sin? This is the question. This is the real question. Something's wrong, so it's wicked. And so something must have caused it. So the people were asking, was this man's parents sinning so that this man was born blind? Or did somehow this man in the womb sin so he was born blind? You know what Jesus said? No! You're asking the wrong questions. But in all circumstances in life, Jesus says God can bring good. And we can work on that good right now, right here together. So, so God kind of complicates things a little bit. Jesus doesn't just keep it simple. Jesus says there's something more to us. Love your enemies. Oh, goodness, Jesus, do I have to listen to that stuff? I want to just think about popular. And I want to know from far away who I can count out and who I can count in. Oh, please, make it simple for me. Make it simple. Don't make it too complex. But I think Jesus, when Jesus looked at these people that folks stayed away from, were afraid of, or called wicked, Jesus might have saw broken or wounded. 
or hurt or never given a chance or suffering their whole life. So what we like to say is one way or another, Jesus would kind of mix it all up and say they are people with challenges and beloved. They are folks that might make some mistakes in this world and beautiful in God's sight. And I think, Jesus, stop messing us up. I want it to be easy, 100% one way or 100% the other way. What do you mean? I have to actually believe everyone can be redeemed? Y'all didn't laugh at that. Hope you heard it. You have to believe that everyone can be redeemed, whether broken or hurting, trying however they can, making mistakes. Jesus complicates it for us by those he engaged, those he ate with, those he healed, those he talked about. He didn't pick Samaritans without reason. He picked Samaritans because other people were pushing them away. He didn't pick women without reason. He picked women because people were pushing them into their place. So let's walk with Jesus a little bit longer. This series so far for these weeks in Broadway for West Side Story, it was freedom from hate to love. Last week with the color purple, it was the freedom from our past limitations to future possibilities. And could we leave that past behind and say we're here and move forward? And this Sunday, it's the freedom from popularity to be a people of purpose. Can we be free of popularity for God's people of purpose? And next week, just to give you a heads up, is hairspray, and we're going to do freedom from fear to being able to be in community. So keep walking this journey of freedom together. And it's just not all that easy to do these things. You know, we try and we might make some mistakes. I love the stories of Scripture because there's always a backstory in them. If it doesn't make sense to me, it just means I need to study more. And if I read it right off top at the front and think I know what it says, it means I've got it wrong most of the time. So I need to study some more, too. Uh, our author of today's uh, book, Wicked, McGuire, actually had something to say like this. And if we can see that first quote from McGuire, if we put it up on the slides, it goes like this. Once I see it, I can read it with you. Okay? People, ooh, there People who claim they're evil are usually no worse than the rest of us. It's people who claim they're good or any way better than the rest of us that you have to be wary of. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> I think I know some of those people. I think maybe a time or two I've been one of those people, you know, and had to ask for forgiveness where I was a bit too judgmental, thought I had it right, thought I knew what was going on, or told everyone in the world I knew the answer and I could make it happen because I was the most popular and the most powerful. You may have heard some of that on TV recently. <laughs> <laughs> but here we're moving from popularity to purpose, you know. So what does it mean to make it a little bit more complex that we're not all good, we're not all bad, we're not all wicked, we're not all saintly, that we're a mixture that God's created us to be and we do our best and we make mistakes and God loves us in the middle of it all, in the middle of the struggle so there's backstory to the gospel, and just like there's backstory to the gospel, there's backstory to this musical Wicked. 
Many of you know it was based on the story by Frank Baum, The Wizard of Oz, that was written in the 1900s. You know, and we like it because we've seen the movie. Have you seen the movie? Yeah, isn't it sweet? Isn't it lovely? We get to go over the rainbow. We sing that song a lot, don't we? Get to go over the rainbow. Well, if you knew Frank Baum and you knew the 1900s, you would know that he was writing a political satire. You would know that each character in the story had meaning. And, would you know, and you would know they were struggling. They were in financial chaos in the country. Things were going up and down. There'd be a boom and a crash, a boom and a crash, and people couldn't count on the next day what was going to be happening. And so he wrote this satire to, talk, to identify these different groups. And if he said one good thing about it, at the end, he said, you've got to hold hands together and walk right into the middle of what you're afraid of. You remember as they go into the forest? You've got to hold hands together and walk right in the middle of what you're afraid of. But he had wicked witches of the East and West that represented the financial centers of that time. He had good witches of the North and the South that represented the people who were both farmers and people who worked hard in the industrial centerland and who were trying to make things work out well, but were really not as strong as the ones on the East and the West. He had characters like the Tin Man that represented all of the industrial workers that were really treated like pieces of equipment. He had characters that were farmers called the Scarecrow who fed everybody but at the same time didn't have any political power. He had these characters that meant something, and he said if they might work together, they might be able to find a different way of being. But separately, there was no hope. And I love it, and he talked about the character Dorothy. This is what a doctoral student wrote about Dorothy, not me. Dorothy represented the virtuous, hard-working citizens who were attracted to radical politics because they realized things had gone terribly wrong and that something needed to change. Radical politics, because things had gone terribly wrong and something needed to change. It wasn't written yesterday. It was written in the 1900s. I don't know about you, but I might be a friend of Dorothy. Okay, so for those of you who didn't get that, Okay, back in the day when it was very unsafe to be out to even other lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender people, you had to find ways of identifying one another. And it's kind of like when you say, are they family? Have y'all heard that? Are they family? Right? Are they family? And so you might say to someone, are you a friend of Dorothy? And being a friend of Dorothy, identify to the other person that you might be welcome and friendly and family. Okay, so you may indeed be this friend of Dorothy who believes that things are radically going wrong and something big needs to change. I know I've seen it on some of your Facebook posts, so I know you're a friend of Dorothy. <laughs> you know, um, but this friend of Dorothy was one who was working hard to make that change happen and gathering people together rather than letting them be separate so that there might be some effective change. So when you think about this, what we sometimes think is a children's story, it was actually a political satire of the day. Even the yellow brick road wasn't a yellow brick road. The big crisis of the day was how did they handle money? And they lived on the gold standard, which meant you only had as much money as you had gold. 
the gold standard. And so the yellow brick road represented the gold standard. And the ruby slippers weren't ruby, they were silver. So the big argument of that day was, would they make money out of silver? And so you have the silver slippers walking along the gold standard throughout the movie. It means something different than our ruby slippers mean. But we lose it during that day. And heaven forbid, they were even talking about making money out of paper. You know, and so that's part of what was going on in the 1900s when this was being written. And what would they think of us today when we don't even do paper, we do plastic. <laughs> you know, it's changed again. But so all of these wonderful wonderful issues that Baum is addressing are also in the book Wicked. Broad, uh, the movie did a good job of making it sweet, making everything cute, having everything turn into technicolor and all those wonderful things that were going on, but the book was about something else. I would say the Broadway musical Wicked does the same thing. It actually makes the whole thing a love story. If you haven't seen it yet, go see it and see who Alphaba ultimately falls in love with. You know, that's, that's not anywhere in the book Wicked in the same way. But Broadway has a way of when things are pretty serious, they want you to sing about it. <laughs> and maybe even dance about it. And then maybe if you sung and danced about it long enough, you might actually listen to the words and what's underneath them a bit. And so, in his book, Wicked, McGuire actually does a good job asking some serious questions. One never learns how the witch became wicked or whether that was the right choice for her. Is it ever the right choice? And then McGuire asks the question, does the devil ever struggle to be good again? And if so, is it still the devil? So Jesus wrestles with complex people and persons and and recognizes not all good, not all bad. No one can be cast away. No one is without error. But in the midst of all, if it asks this kind of question about what does it mean to be wicked, and who gets to define what wicked is in the first place? Who gets to say what it is? And so let's talk a little bit about the main character, Elphaba, the Wicked Witch of the West, the original WWW, not World Wide Web, but Wicked Witch of the West. Do y'all remember people saying the World Wide Web was evil? Did they say it yesterday? Usually when it came out, they did. So here, the Wicked Witch of the West, Elphaba, has a challenge in life because she's born green and no one else is. But you know, when you're born different in that way, you have eyes for seeing things everyone else can't see. You know, and so she sees the world a little bit differently, and she notices when people get pushed aside, and she notices when people lose their voices. And so she grows up a different way, a different kind of being. And when she meets her roommate at college, this is the backstory that they wrote about in Wicked, the good witch of the north or south, Glinda, is her roommate. Heaven forbid. The first time they look at each other in the book, it's like Glinda looks at her and screams, green, yuck. Elphaba looks at Glinda and goes, blonde, yuck. So it was mutual loathing to start off with, and they had to figure out if there was anything for them to learn for each other. So Elphaba starts with an explanation, those silly questions that happen over and over again, and she says, okay, let's get this over with. No, I'm not seasick. Yes, I've always been green. No, I did not eat a lot of grass as a child. 
Maybe you've been asked similarly silly questions about one thing or another, about how you became who you are and why you believe what you believe this day. But she had to come to terms with what it meant to be green, to be different. And did she eventually come to the place where she loved herself for being green and found freedom in who she was? Kermit the Frog had a similar challenge. Y'all remember Kermit? I want, to listen, I want you to listen to the last part of his song, It's Not Easy Being Green. But green's the color of spring And green can be cool and friendly-like And green can be big like a mountain or important like a river or tall like a tree. When green is all there is to be, it could make you wonder why. But why wonder? Why wonder? I'm green. It'll do fine. It's beautiful. And I think it's what I want to be. See, I think that's a journey from popularity to purpose is when we find out what it is we want to be and who it is we are, and if that's green or something else, that we inhabit that place and live out our purpose in this world. Elphaba, the Wicked Witch of the West in the story, comes to terms with being green and said it freed her to have purpose. And she had purpose. There were some people in that day and that time that were pushing out a group of their families, and they were called the animals with a capital A in the book, and there were animals with a lower A, and the animals with a capital A were able to speak and teach and learn and had all these gifts. But there were other people in the city that just couldn't tolerate that difference. And since they couldn't tolerate that difference, they sought to silence them. And they actually passed laws that said animals could not speak. And so what would happen if one of these animals who had that gift stopped speaking for any period of time, they lost their voice. And so Elphaba decides she needs to speak up, speak up for them. She needs to say that they should be able to speak and be who they are and be as green as each and every one of them was, that they could be who they were. And in so doing, she makes some mistakes, and people don't like what she's doing, so they say she's wicked. Here she is kind of doing what Jesus did speaking up for those who've lost their voices, those who are being pushed to the side, and making sure they have a chance to breathe, a chance to live. And so because of that work, that good work, she's called wicked. Eventually she says, well, if they say I'm wicked, I'm going to be wicked fully and keep doing the work she was doing. Now the book ends horribly. Don't read the last 50 pages. You know, after the first 300, I was so excited, and I got in those last 50, and I thought, why did I waste my time? But it's tragic. 
It ends tragically. That's not how the wicked Broadway show ends. It ends with her falling in love with a person who happens to be blue, by the way, if you read the book. A person who happens to be blue. But what does it mean to look at those who are fighting for those who are losing their voices and say they're wicked? And how do we do that today in our time? Jesus took issue with it back in his day. He had roads in his day. They were built by the empire. And the roads had one purpose, much like a gold standard. Their purpose was to be there for when the army needed to use them, to be there for when the warriors needed to come by, to be there whenever you needed to suppress any sort of rebellion or something that might be happening. And so those roads were there in Jesus' day too. So here we are, we still do it, we still point our fingers, we still say those people are the problem. We still have people blaming Black Lives Matter people for peaceful protests that they're causing violence. And every time that's explored, we know that that's not the truth of the case that happens. It doesn't mean you're saying anything bad about police officers to say Black Lives Matter, but to call that which is good wicked is not how Jesus asked us to be. There are people who blame folks who try to find a better life here in the United States for trying. We have a mass grave, more than one mass grave along our border where we've buried people because they got too thirsty and too hungry and they didn't make it across. Their names aren't there. They're unknown for us. But there are folks of us who would like to blame them, blame them for that trial, to be able to breathe, to be able to eat, to be able to drink, to be able to find justice. And they call it wicked. Wicked because maybe they didn't like what they said because they were so hungry they shouted. Wicked because maybe they were so hurt that they did something that wasn't necessarily polite. I don't know how we get it through our hearts that this is not simple. Wicked is complex. We are complex. The systems that Baum wrote about, the systems that McGuire wrote about, are still with us today. And we as a people need to join hands and walk right in, or we're not going to be able to change them. We need to join hands and walk right in with those who don't look like us, with those who look exactly like us, with those that aren't quite as far along the journey as we are. Whether they're polite or appropriate, whether they're well-fed or hungry, we need to walk with them right into that dark forest. So this complex thing called wicked Jesus, why couldn't you have just made it more simple? I want you to see this last quote from McGuire. Let's uh, put it up on the screen. We're going to skip that middle section because I talked too long. Um, People who claim they're evil are usually no worse than the rest of them. Is this the one that was up there already? There's another one, Connie, sorry. If we can't get to it, that'll be okay. That another one. Have y'all seen that show? <laughs> so here, here it is. No? Well, never mind, we've done it. When you're confronted with difference, Jesus finds out more. 
Jesus offers some immediate help, but then Jesus says something different. Jesus committed his life to overturning the systems that caused the voices to go silent, to cause the thirst and the hunger to be there. Can we be those people? Can we be those people that don't want to just point and shout and say wicked, but are able to say, we're going to give up whatever popularity we have because we've got a purpose, a purpose that's for all God's children. If so, let's do it together. Thanks be to God, resurrection. I know you. I know you to be a people who are ready to be followers of Jesus, not just fans. Amen. As the ushers come forward and we prepare to give, we have the opportunity to give. What I, I like so much about being a member here is that it doesn't matter if you are a Republican or an Independent or a Democrat or a Libertarian or a Green Party. We are a justice seeking people. We are a justice seeking people and we know that we can change the world. And only we can. For such a time as this, give. <laughs>